0: Well, we are uh, continuing our Rewire series, talking about our thinking that gets us in trouble. And a lot of times, I don't know if you remember the very first time that we started this service, a lot of this thinking goes on unnoticed. It just plays in the background, right? Just keeps playing. You guys, I think I probably used that analogy then, but anyone ever had the electricity go out at your house? Do you notice how quiet it gets? You don't realize how many things are running, you know, just the little, even if you don't hear the furnace, just kind of the air moving and then the fridge running and, you know, just even if you don't have music playing and stuff, you don't realize all that background noise. And that's what's going on in our minds. There's that background noise that's just going on all the time. And so we've got to recognize that and we've got to confront that with the word of God. And so we're getting into and going through the series and we're we're talking about, uh, kind of the this part of it. We always talk about being transformed by the renewing of your minds. Let's renew our minds. Let's take the word of God and let's make sure the word of God is the tool that we use to correct our thinking. And that's still true. That, like That's true. But we always talk about that. We don't often talk about The first part of that, don't conform to, see, there's two parts to that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, but you've got to do the first part first. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. And so my challenge to you is that you and you and you and you and you and you and me and all of us are conforming at times unwillingly and unwittingly But accidentally to the pattern of the world's thinking. So we're just we're identifying a few of those patterns so that we can help recognize some thoughts that are not biblical, and then we can use the word of God to counteract those. But as we're recognizing them, we let go because because it seeps into our lives. And I I said it last week, but uh, you know, you get discipled here publicly. You know, forty minutes on a Sunday, you're discipled from the world 159 hours the rest of the week. And you don't intentionally do that, but if you're listening to to neighbors that aren't Christian, if you're listening to news, if you're listening to like whatever it is, you're, there's a there's a there's ideology behind the the world, and it's discipling our hearts, and we don't realize that that's happening. So we've been talking about the patterns of the world. The first one we talked about is what I feel must be what is true. Eh, wrong answer, but that's that's one of the world's ways of discipling us. Is that thought is really prevalent? And then uh, last week we talked about this one: self is the ultimate authority and good. You're going to hear that message all throughout culture. If if you haven't heard those exact words, you've heard it. You just haven't recognized it. But as we walked through that last week, we talked about: gosh, you are not the best. Uh, authority and judge to judge you right we need something outside of us we need we need God and we need his word to examine our hearts and to say what is right and what is wrong we are not the ultimate authority but the world is telling us that we should be and we just want to say that that's one of the patterns of the world now remember patterns of the world are something we don't want to. so we don't want to what I feel is is what is true That's, that's a pattern of the world that's not biblical like that's not good okay the same with this one this is not good it's what we're being told all the time but it's not good self is the ultimate authority and good okay the one for today uh, see if you've heard this one in some way shape or form before pleasure is the highest goal in life i just want to do what makes me feel good oh no one in the church would ever say that so we're good right i mean you guys are free and clear of all that kind of thinking right Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. As, as simple as that sounds or as insidious as that sounds, we've all fallen prey to some version of that. My pleasure is my highest goal in life. So we, uh, we have less quotes and more Word of God today. For those of you that are wondering when we're going to get back more into the Word of God, we've got lots of Word of God today. And uh, we're going to go to Ephesians, first of all. So Ephesians 4, uh, there's a bunch of verses, we're going to take these one chunk at a time. So the first part of this says, with the Lord's authority, I say, whose authority? Lord. Okay, so God is saying this, obviously it's found in the Bible, so it's God's word, we know that, but Paul is reiterating, he's saying, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer, so, so don't live like the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused, let me look at something. So, uh, remember our first verse, do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Let's look at these two together here. So, that's the first chunk, okay, that, this, this chunk right here, that's on top there, Ephesians 4.17, and then the, the Romans 12.2, which is the very first, that's the verse that we're basing this whole series off of. Look at the similarities here. Look at this one. Ephesians 4.17 says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, Romans twelve two says, "Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Don't live like the world does. Don't 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 do what the world's doing." And Paul's saying, "Don't don't do what the Gentiles are doing, or the people who are ungodly, the people of this world." And why? Look at this. Ephesians says they're hopelessly confused. There's a, there's a problem in their minds. And Romans twelve two says you need to renew your mind because there's a problem in your mind. Like they don't say the same thing verbatim, but it's it's the same principle in both of these verses. Hey. You're going to be tempted to live like the world because it seems normal. Stay with me. Let's circle back around here. You're going to be tempted to live in a certain way because it seems normal. And it's because of how you're thinking. Your thoughts will generate the feelings that say this is a normal way of living and thinking. So I I wrote this down. There's a way of thinking that leads to destructive living. That's why we need to be rewired, because because we hear these voices enough times, and it just starts to sound normal. Like, uh, well, let's move on. (laughs) I had some examples, but we'll keep moving. So let's look at the next next section of that. So their minds, wait a minute. What do you do with your mind? You think, right? We're supposed to be renewing our minds. And so it's talking about the minds of the people in the world. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Their minds are full of darkness. So he's just pushing in a little bit more. These Gentiles, these ungodly people, the world, they're they're living a certain way because they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and their minds are hardened and their hearts against him. So, uh, this is kind of so far what we've read in this, in this passage in Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. It says that these Gentiles, the people in the world, they're hopelessly confused. But we keep hearing the same message over and over and over again from people that don't seem hopelessly confused. But aren't we glad that we have the truth of the God's word to tell us what's real even when things don't seem like they're real? So we know that Paul is telling us that the world that they're thinking is hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from God's life. They, they wander far from. So the life of God is waiting to be poured into them, but they wander away from that. They have closed minds to God and hard hearts towards God. This doesn't sound like a great explanation, right? How, how many would like to be defined by all of that? that's what he's saying is is he, paul is telling us that's the condition of people in the world now it doesn't seem like they're hopeless well sometimes it does but but they feel really confident and it and it starts to wear on our psyche when This group of people is saying one thing. This group of people who's hopelessly confused says the exact same thing. This song says the exact same thing those two groups of people are saying. This teacher says the same thing that these songs and these two groups, like you start hearing it everywhere. Hi, kids. (laughs) You start hearing it everywhere and so it starts wearing on your mind because you start hearing, oh, that just must be how it is then. And Paul's like, Hold up. Wait a minute. We're going to show you the truth here. They're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from God's life. Their minds are closed to God. Their hearts are hard towards God. So let's go back to this verse again. Let's read the next section. They have no sense of shame and they live for lustful pleasure and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. That comes out of that verse there. Ephesians 4.19. They live... For lustful pleasure, the goal of their life, the highest good, the the what they're trying to obtain is pleasure. It's called hedonism. They're they're living for pleasure. Uh, there's a anyone ever heard of the Alpha program? A couple of you guys, uh, Nicky Gumble is the guy who created the Alpha, and I actually do my uh, Bible in a year. Every year I read the Bible and and one of the devotions that I'm doing is Nicky Gumbel's, and I actually have done it two years in a row now. There's a little devotion from him and then all the different Bible sections. And as I was reading a little while back, uh, I read this from Nicky Gumbel, and I just thought, hey, this is perfect for this series. He says this, More, Please, is the title of the autobiography of comedian and actor Barry Humphreys. He writes that these two words, More, Please, were his first coherent utterance first thing he said when he was a kid he went on to say quote from this is a quote from Barry Humphreys I have always wanted more I never had enough milk or money or socks or sex or holidays or first editions or solitude or gramophone records or free meals or real friends or guiltless pleasure or neckties or applause or unquestioning love or persimmons I don't have very many persimmons either but Nikki said, or uh, uh, Barry Humphreys goes on to say, of course, I have always had more than my share of most of these commodities, but it always left me with a vague feeling of unfulfillment. He would ask, where was the rest? In our pursuit of pleasure, that's why sometimes we have... In our Christianity, we end up having this ideology that I'm kind of living for pleasure. I want to live to make my life good, and and I want to be pleasing to me. And we end up as Christ followers with, with this ache of unfulfillment, because Jesus is our last resort instead of our first love. And we're meant to be immersed and delighting ourselves in him, but we're chasing pleasure with one hand, and the other hand, we're kind of chasing Jesus a little bit. And it's very unfulfilling for us. So let's talk about people in the last days. You are they, <laughs> right? Okay, well, hopefully you're not these people that we're going to talk about. But we're going to talk about people in the last days. Second Timothy, this is Paul writing to his protege, Timothy. Timothy was a pastor in a church, and Paul, he was his, you know, his, Paul was the mentor of Timothy, the spiritual father. He says, you should know this. Turn to your neighbor and say, you should know this. Okay, this is important. You should know this. His first, first quote here, he says, Timothy, you should know this. Don't be surprised. You should know this. Okay, Be aware of this. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. Oh, yay. Thanks, Paul. <sighs> For people will love only themselves and their money. Does this sound like anybody we know? They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Disobedient to their parents and ungrateful, they will consider nothing sacred. If there's, if there's, a, uh, if there's a tone and a timbre of, of, of the culture today, that last line there, they will consider nothing sacred. That's, that, that line really hit me. He goes on. He does, doesn't stop there. He says, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. Anyone ever had Facebook. Okay, Twitter, that's even worse. They will slander others and have no self-control. Cake pops, anyone? They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless and puffed up with pride. And they will love pleasure rather than God. One of the defining characteristics of ungodly people in the last days is that they'll love pleasure pleasure rather than God. And they'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. And I found this really interesting. I found it really intriguing that the verse that we read before talked about these people that are hopelessly confused, right? And they are uh, closed off in their hearts and they're darkened in their minds and they wander far from the life of God, the life-giving power of God. They wander far from that And I see in this verse, you know, in 2 Timothy, so one was in Ephesians, this one's in in 2 Timothy, it says they'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. In our pursuit of pleasure, the natural repercussions of that is rejecting God and rejecting the power of God that can transform our lives. And that sneaks into our hearts as Christ followers. We're talking about the world here, but what I'm saying is Paul's command to us, don't be conformed to the world. That was written to the church, saying, church, don't think like the world. If one of our highest goals is the pursuit of pleasure, listen to me, follow me here. If that's one of your highest goals, you tend to reject God's power to transform your life. If you start pursuing pleasure, you negate the power of God to transform you. The verse in Ephesians says we wander far from the life of God. This verse says we reject the power that's, that's available to transform us. And so uh, pretending to kind of follow Christ for 10 years, and 10 years later, we're struggling with the exact same things. We're just as miserable. We, we're less Christ-like probably than when we started. And that's what he's talking about. He's like, they'll, they'll act religious, but we reject the power that can transform our lives because we we don't want to pursue God; we want to pursue pleasure, and that weasels its way into the church. Not this church, not you group of people. It's the people that go to church here that aren't here today. <laughs> <laughs> so you let your neighbors know, and you know the people that you normally sit next to. You know all about them now. Yep, they they let this thinking creep in. Like not you guys, right? You guys are holy and pure, right? But those other guys that should have been here today. They think like this sometimes, and it, it I'm kidding, obviously, but they, it, all of us as humans, this temptation, because it's the voice of the world, and we hear this all the time, you deserve this, you should do this, you, right? Why deny yourself this? Like, man, live for you, right there. It's, this is 2,000 years old, there's, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Uh, John Mark Comer, in his Live No Lies book, which I've quoted a lot from, he says this, Augustine called sin love turned in on itself and likely playing with that idea Martin Luther later called the one who lived for one's own pleasure and sensual gratification homo incurvatus in se or man curved in upon himself living for pleasure is is this warped and twisted idea of me looking out for me and wanting to serve me and help me and bless me and and it gets really ugly really fast and it cuts us off from all that God wants to do in our life. So that might not be how you're living completely, but that ideology, remember that? Paul is saying, like, watch out for these. Don't, don't get shaped like that. Uh, Titus, another pastor, Titus 3.3 3 says, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, say deceived, deceived, and enslaved man how what what a great descriptor we've been to a lot a lot of good descriptors today. How many of you hey, how are you doing today? Uh, foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved How are you <laughs> <laughs> hi hey is 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 you know is is that Jerry over there yeah what's Jerry like foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved uh, you would not feel encouraged by that, right so Titus is saying. Paul is saying in Titus, to Titus here, he's saying at one time, we too, we all were at one time foolish, disobedient, and deceived. Deceived has to do with your thinking. Remember that very first one we did? We don't even know that we're thinking some of these thoughts because they were bombarded from the world with these ideas. And so this thought that your pleasure is of paramount importance, that seeps its way through the cracks of my soul. And I find those thoughts running in the back of my mind. Well, you deserve better. You, should, you should, shouldn't have to do that because you should be able to enjoy this. Right? You were deceived by, by what? By all kinds of passions and pleasures. That's what deceived us. All kinds of passions and pleasures. All right. One more verse in Galatians. Since you guys are so excited about it so far, <laughs> we're just going to keep going, because uh, I don't know if I can even contain this excitement this morning. I know. We're kind of getting slapped on one side, and then on the other side, we're like, oh man, really? Let's go back to the quotes. I liked that better. This <laughs> is so Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. You guys know this verse. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Who, who sows it? I do. A man reaps what he sows. <laughs> Whoever sows to please their flesh from that flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. We get to decide on our day-to-day basis, how do I want to live here? And we get to identify this thinking that that this tape that loops around in the back of my mind that says, you deserve to have all of this pleasure. And when that becomes our goal, I was going to put some of these slides in, but I I just had too much. But when when our pursuit of pleasure becomes our goal, even if we don't kind of realize that, what it does is it cuts us off from the life of God. See, and and it thwarts our spiritual growth. Because one of, the, one of the very kind of like fundamental changes that happens as children go to maturity is the ability of, to, to have delayed gratification, right? You take a, a four-year-old kid or a three-year-old kid and you take a hot, fresh cookie right out of the oven and you set that cookie down right in front of them and it's snack time. I mean, they are starving, right? And they want to grab it. And you're like, nope, nope, nope. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Just wait. You can have this one hot, fresh cookie right now. Or after supper, I'm baking another batch. You can have six later. Or you can only have one now. How many, how many are waiting for the six? Not that kid. <laughs> that kid, that kid, by the time you got done with the sentence, that kid's got this, the cookie half gone. Right? Right. And so as we mature, we develop the ability to look at pleasure and say no. Not because pleasure is bad, but because I've waited out and I've decided that I'm going to go for something that I would rather have, right? Now, some of you guys, you stick 40 bucks in your pocket and you set you anywhere within a square mile of a store and somehow that thing just leaks out of there. Like, I don't even know. And like, what did you buy? I just I don't know, it's gone though. <laughs> right? Like money just kind of bleaks out. And other ones of you guys, we couldn't pry that wallet open with a crowbar because you got your first dollar from like 1943 that you still got in there, right? But the ability to save and be financially responsible comes down to one of these things. It's delayed gratification. Well I don't. I don't want to... uh, I I would like to do such and such. I would like to buy a motorcycle. I would like to go on a vacation. Well, that means that I can't maybe go out to eat every day this week. Maybe I have to bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to work. But that's not as pleasurable as going to eat at Carlos's because he's got the best chips and salsa around, which I had on Friday, and I really like it. So, which is it going to be? Carlos every day or going on vacation? And so we just, this is something near and dear to my heart because I love food, and we eat out not really at all, like almost never, so that we can save up for vacations and doing things like that. So that's just an example that I have in my own life. But you've got to have the ability to say, oh, man, I can imagine this is a burrito and chips, but it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But that's okay because I know later I'm going to go to Arkansas or wherever, you know, I'm going to eat really, really good food and it's going to be a fun trip and I'm going to be with my wife and it's going to be awesome. So it's the ability to say no to pleasure for now, for something better later. And so just the act of you saying no to pleasure, it runs cross-grain to this ideology that says you you deserve this. And so it thwarts our growth. That's what I'm trying to say. When this ideology, so maybe you don't know that you're thinking this, but it leaks into our lives, and all of a sudden you stop growing. And just both of those verses, one said you, you wander from the life of God, and the other one says you reject the power that God has to make you holy and make you godly because we want to just chase pleasure. I want the next good thing for me. I want to feel fulfilled. And it's like that, that one comedian said, we're, we always had more than enough, but we're always wondering where's, where's the more? I don't know, this is unfulfilling. So if you have some dissatisfaction in your walk with Christ, maybe look to this one because it cultivates a dissatisfaction in us. When we're always trying to please ourselves and maybe we don't even know that we're doing that. When we're always seeking pleasure, we become really dissatisfied with a lot of things. So a couple quotes from Paul Tripp here. Paul Tripp says, "Uh, pleasure can never be an end in itself. I can never just say I'm going to go wherever pleasure leads me because pleasure requires boundaries. And that's because my heart is always living under the rulership of something. What controls my heart will control my body. And so I must not let pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure, be the thing that rules me. He goes on to say this. Here's the ticket with pleasure. My pursuit of pleasure, my enjoyment of pleasure, must submit itself to a greater pleasure than just physical pleasure, just the pleasure that we think of. And it is the pleasure of God. Listen listen to this line. This is a crazy line. Pleasure is only protected by pleasure. In the, in, <laughs> I know we're getting in the weeds here, but just follow me along. In the greater pleasure of God, my joy in my relationship with God, my joy in pleasing God, my celebration of God's grace, my desire to live the way this beautiful creator made me, that's what protects me from slavery to pleasure that gets me in trouble. So pleasure requires boundaries. But here's where our culture is. If it has boundaries, it's not pleasurable. That's what culture says. That's dangerous. Don't give me any boundaries because when you give me boundaries, you crush pleasure. Paul says, I think the opposite is true. Boundary less pleasure crushes pleasure. Because it becomes a slaving, addicting, dark, destructive, and harmful harmful thing. What he's saying is, if, if pleasure is our goal, that becomes a slavery to us. And it says that we we read that in Galatians that if you sow to please the flesh, from that you'll reap destruction, because it's never satisfied. Guide this. This is never satisfied. It's never satisfied. The number of of just. Comments and quotes that i have read from from kind of popular people who are on a pursuit of pleasure, and whose lives are so empty. They're so empty, and and just how they have just pursued this, and, and by their own admission, by their own words, like not we're kind of reading into it. Like they say that, and I've done everything. Solomon said it. Have you guys ever heard of Solomon? He went on a rampage to to experience everything he can under the sun, meaning, meaning kind of like on the earth, like in this realm. And he got to the end of it all, and he said, it's, you know, it's like gravel in my mouth. It's, it's just bitter. It's, it's, it doesn't produce anymore what I thought it should. And that's what you'll find as we are chasing after pleasure. You guys ever heard of the Westminster Confession? We don't really do any creeds and confessions in our church, but that's a, from the 1600s. It's a kind of a, a creed that kind of says what we believe or whatever. Here's the first two parts of the Westminster Confession. Question one, what is the chief end of man? Or like, what is man created for? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We're to take pleasure in God. Question number two, what rule hath God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? The answer is the word of God which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us in how we may glorify and enjoy him. We, uh, we settle for pleasure from silly little earthly things instead of chasing after Jesus. And it's exactly what the Holy Spirit was saying to us this morning. He wants to go from last resort to first love. We wanna, want Jesus to be in that place where we're, we're taking enjoyment from him. Some of you guys that are sitting here today, that sounds just bizarre too. When I talk about enjoying God, like enjoy, like like taking pleasure in God, some of you are like, "Yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about." Like we go to church and we don't do the bad stuff, and we're supposed to do the good stuff, right? <laughs> kind of, but not really. Like, yes, but there's more to that. It's like delighting yourself in the Lord. Okay, what do you mean by that? Like, I, I you want like want me to go to church twice or something? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> hang with me. Taking joy in who Jesus is. Okay, but he's like God and stuff, so I'm gonna, like, like I really like cream puffs and stuff, that's good. I take joy in music, like, no, like finding enjoyment in God. And I'm just gonna challenge you today, if that's just a foreign thought for you, if you kind of just live under this, well, better not do wrong or God's gonna smote me, you know, and beat me on the head or something, he's gonna, you know, bash me, or take my stuff, or I don't know what he's going to do. Like, if that's kind of our extent of serving Jesus, man, come on over to the good side, right? Like, let your heart be just, well, like, read the Psalms. David goes through these intense, bad emotions, but then he's like, oh, I long for you, God. My joy is in you. My delight is in you. If you've never opened up the word of God and let the Lord speak to you, and you're like, oh, God, that's so good, and that just a tear of joy, and some of you are less emotional, and you're like a thought of joy, I don't know what it is in you, but like had your heart stirred by the goodness of God, man, I'm just inviting you to try that. As you're in worship, as you're serving someone and you're just like, God, that was so fun. I watched their their eyes just light up when I served them. Like that's, it's taking joy in Jesus. That's what we're meant for. Finishing up here. John Tyson in his beautiful resistance, he says this. In a culture that seeks to numb us with senseless pleasure, we must recover the wonder of godly delight. And Pastor John Ortberg says we must arrange our life so that sin no longer looks good to us. We often fall into the trap of believing that our faith is only about self-denial or asceticism, like no, no joy, no pleasure, but the other side is a biblical delight in feasting on the goodness of God. And that's my challenge to you today, is the world is saying, You gotta find you gotta you gotta enjoy this. It's gotta be like, why deny yourself anything? And most of us are living godly lives, but that that voice is always in the back of our minds. And so in the meantime, in that struggle of not really cutting that off and and pushing that away from us, our hearts get dissatisfied because we're not delighting in God, and we're delighting a little bit in the world, and we're just stuck, and we're just kind of torn. And then you end up saying, yeah, I tried Jesus, but it was just kind of miserable. If we if we really serve Jesus, it's not miserable. Doesn't mean it's easy every day, but we but Jesus is right there and we can delight in him. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Man, he changes our desires to line up with his as we take joy in him. And I just want to pray for us as we close today that that we will be able to recognize the voice of the world that is just chirping in our ear, saying, "You need to, you know, delight in in this or that, or it's pleasure is the is the biggest thing." It's not getting rid of pleasure. It's not getting rid of pleasure. It's not getting rid of pleasing ourselves. It's getting rid of it's 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 changing where it's pointed at, because the only safe place it, that's what that's what that, uh, Paul Tripp said, pleasure protects pleasure. When I point my finding delight towards Jesus. Then it has boundaries. Then the word of God says, Yep, you've got to stop right here. And then it becomes a safeguard. And I don't get like stuck and enslaved to something that I shouldn't get enslaved to. It's a safeguard. But I want my delight to be in Jesus. I want him to be my first love. I wanna, I wanna enjoy him. Not just follow rules, but enjoy him. So let me pray. Father, I just pray for this congregation. Help us to delight in you, Jesus. Lord, you are the lover of our souls, God, and we just I just pray that we could shift from a last resort to a first love. God, that you would just, you'd be the thing, you'd be the person that we're most excited to hear about and to, to talk to the first thing in the morning and the last thing at night. God, that we would take joy in you. And it wouldn't just be about rules. It wouldn't just be about uh, not doing wrong. It wouldn't be about uh, trying to serve Jesus and find pleasure for our lives. But our pleasure would be pointed at you because you're the one that delights our souls, God. You're the desire of nations, your word says. Help us to desire you above all things. You're so good to us. We love you today and we bless this people in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen.